everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Morning Grind here. If you cannot tell by my voice, I am not Stevie. He is on vacation. I'm Grant Neifer, a.k.a. Terry Ferguson. So I'm filling in for him today. I will be filling in for him on Wednesday and maybe other points in this week. But in any case, welcome to the NFL lineup review show here on the Morning Grind here. I'm joined by a guy you've probably heard quite a bit, Jordan Cooper, Blender HD. How are you doing over there? Good. Are you, are, you, are you implying that I talk a lot? I, I know you talk a lot. We both know you talk a lot. It's not a bad right. thing. I know I talk a lot. I, I know I interrupt people and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and try to explain things. To what, as far as strategy is concerned, I obviously play whoever you want. And uh, this, this past Sunday was, 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 was not good. It was not good for me. Uh, I don't think I necessarily made much process mistakes, but... Um, one one major one, I guess, which I, I'll, I'll explain more on on my theory of DFS podcast. But for for the most part, uh, a lot it, it was one of these weeks where certain chalk pieces busted, and then certain chalk pieces like put up ceiling scores. So it just was a matter of did you avoid the landmines and did you take the chalk, you know, big. You know, like the Dalvin Cooks and the Josh Allens and uh, and and the Jerry Judys and the Keenan Allens. Did you take those guys, or did you take the uh, Tyler Lockett's and the Justin Jacksons and the David Johnsons? And uh, unfortunately, uh, I was I led more on the the latter side. Yeah, I mean, my main problem was like if you didn't have Dalvin Cook, you were done for. Dalvin Cook or Josh Allen. So all my Dalvin Cook Josh Allen lineups happened to be together. And they always included Lockett or like one or two of the landmine pieces. And it didn't include my other guys, but we'll get into that soon. We're going to review GBP lineups. We're going to review 50-50s, but we'll just start off with cash here. And I mean, obviously, let's just start off here with Dalvin Cook, the chalkiest guy in the big double ups and the best play on the entire week, Uh, not including ownership, but just straight up the best play on the entire week in all likelihood. 42 points coming in at 55.94% ownership. Talk to me a little bit about your cash game lineups because I mostly stayed on GPPs this week. Okay, well, I didn't play Dalvin Cook in cash. Okay, so, yeah, that so was, they, that's so why they, it's a bad So there week. you go. Uh, it, it wasn't necessary. He was the best play at running back. The problem was that were you willing to punt a wide receiver slot? Were you willing to punt a tight end slot? A defense doesn't matter, so I, I never care about if I need to punt a defense. But we had these running backs. We had Cook. You had Edmonds. You had Connor. You had Justin Jackson, cheap. Uh, you had – you could have played DJ Dallas. You could have played David Johnson. Uh, David Montgomery, who has the highest uh, – share of his backfield of anyone in the league uh you, you take a look and Pollard was in play for a while until Zeke was was ruled in so typically in cash games you you go you side with volume at running back right so because running backs are essentially the same but at wide receiver when you play a guy that's 3k like you're 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 fading a bagel like, it's quite possible. Yeah, like someone like Marcus Johnson was popular in cash. I understood that construction. Just are, am, am I willing to punt a wide receiver slot? 
and especially with this year and the past two years, that running backs, like, that you, you rarely get bell cow running backs. So a lot of guys that are going to see 60 to 70, 75% of snaps, like, if they're efficient, they'll hit a ceiling. And if they're not, they'll score around the same amount of points. Wide receiver is not the same thing. Like, when you play a Julio Jones when Ridley's out, like, you have to expect a ton of targets. When you play Keenan Allen, you got you to gotta expect 10 targets. Lock it, a little bit more volatile, but you have to expect in the best game environment that he's going to get a ton of targets. If you're going to play in the mid-range, like I, I, Marvin Jones was popular with Galladay out, Judy, if you wanted to play him, I thought that was, that was fine. I think Sterling Shepard was okay. Deontay Johnson was okay. Uh, if, if, you wanted to, if you wanted to play Brandon Cooks in that mid-range, or something like that. But how many wide receiver spots do you want to punt? How many places in your lineup do you want to punt in order to have to play Dalvin Cook, who is 1,300 more than James Conner, who is 1,400 more than Chase Edmonds, and then obviously way even more than David Johnson and Justin Jackson and all those other guys. So I just thought that the better construction was not punting at wide receiver. And it wouldn't have been that bad until – Cook put up that 70-yard run for a touchdown that added another 13 points to the score. So, like, him putting up 28 points, it's like, yeah, that, 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 that was great. Just a matter of, like, outside of ceiling, what is that dramatic of a difference between a lot of the running backs if you just project them for 75% rushing share and 10 to 15% targets? Like they all seem about this. They're just, they're just better. Obviously some are on better offenses. So obviously that makes a difference. We saw, you know, Kareem Hunt the week before, similar situation, just 10 points. Chase Edmonds had 28 touches. He still only put up 11.8 points. Yeah. If if you would have told me before the slate that Chase Edmonds was guaranteed to get uh, 28 touches, I would have played Chase Edmonds. Oh, I still would. I would have played the construction like I did. But instead of playing David Montgomery, I would have played Chase Edmonds and then found a way around there. Like, I'll, I'll 6,800 to get the same touches that Cook get for 1,300 less. Like, that, that was my rationale. And a lot, a, lot of play, a lot of people did it. Enough people did it. I mean, the giant $100 double up, 60% of people had Dalvin Cook. So it, it's not like a majority did. But that also led to 30% marcus johnson that has three points right that that leads that leads to these these duds but when you get 42 from cook it doesn't matter like when you play cook and johnson together that's 45 points if you're playing david johnson and and keenan allen that comes out to i mean obviously he got a concussion so like david johnson could have done well if he was stayed in the game that only came out to 30 points so really the, the Cook ceiling game got you around only getting three points from a wide receiver slot, which I'm not saying, I'm not saying is bad. I didn't do it. And I'n't saying that those that did are, are poor because some people played Christian Blake. you know some people found uh, uh, Jakeem Grant or something, Marvin Hall, that range. I, to me, the lowest I was going to go was uh, Danny Amendola, who actually had a pretty good game with 15 yeah. points for his salary. Uh, so I considered that build with Edmonds 
So no Cook, but Edmonds, and then going and getting Amendola instead of Marvin Jones, and they scored about the same amount of points. Uh, but I didn't. I mean, Chase Edmonds only scored five more points than David Montgomery. So like, no, there's nothing I would have done in a non-Cook build that would have saved me or anything. And there are plenty of Cook builds that didn't even make the double up line. I mean, like you could have built with Cook and lost also. So I don't necessarily feel that dramatically about my long-term process. Not necessarily what happened on just this past slate of when in doubt, if I see multiple constructions that are very similar in median, be more inclined to pay down at running back and pay up at wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, no, and that, that like, yeah, if you had Cook, Jackson, and DJ as your two running backs in your flex, then you were, you were done for. Um, but, yeah, this brings up an interesting point, and I guess I don't know how long this podcast is supposed to go, but we're going to talk about this, like, very different this year than it has been in previous years in terms of running back. Cash game stables for running backs have been, like, CMC last year and a few other guys that we knew, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, guys that we knew are going to get a massive workload and in all likelihood are probably going to get a decent amount of targets, which leads to PPR floor for all these guys. Before that, it was guys like David Johnson, guys like Le'Veon Bell. We've seen bell cow backs pretty much every single year. Like there's always two or three priced up around the 9 to 10K range. You kind of have to figure out where you want to punt, where you don't want to punt. And you kind of have to make those decisions and figure out which one you want to go with, which it's almost always been CMC almost every single week when I played the cash last year. And then years before that was always DJ or Le'Veon Bell. And now this season we've had Barkley go on the IR and we've had CMC be out for eight weeks, finally coming back uh, last yesterday. So we don't quite have the same situation running backs have been injured, especially stud running backs have been injured at a higher rate this season. And then more backfields like CEH getting in there with Le'Veon Bell now, and it kind of changes the whole target setter. So we don't really have a ton of bell cow backs. Prior to this week, it was pretty much Dalvin Cook and it was Mike Davis. So it's a real interesting thing to look at it, the way that cash game construction kind of has changed because you want that super high ceiling and there were bell cow backs before and now it's mostly dalvin cook who yes he's a little bit involved in the passing game but he's not fully involved in the passing game he's not getting six seven eight targets like we will see with guys like uh christian mccaffrey or mike davis so it's a real interesting spot that we're at with cash game builds are you planning on now that cmc is coming back now that we're probably going to have chase edmonds at least until drake comes back be the bell cow and people might think recently like oh he got 11.8 points but he was in the game for the majority of the game it was a good matchup it was just a bad variance spot that just happened to be a little bit different I mean Dolphins may be a good defense overall but they are still not great versus the run it just happened to be Kyler Murray doing a lot with his legs instead of Chase Edmonds and just one of those things where any given day any running back I mean Saquon Barkley very talented whatever you think about him he still is a guy that multiple times has gotten less than one yard per carry in a matchup. So, I don't know, do you plan on kind of keeping the same long-term process or is it situational week by week? No, I still keep on the same long-term process. I think I think it's not just in performance. I think it's also in snap share. We saw last week James Conner essentially like get the entire backfield work and now this past week it's like a four-headed running back committee. I mean, obviously the Steelers went down to the Cowboys and then they started playing these five wide out sets. So 
they didn't use many running backs for much of the game. But we take a look at Cook. We've seen we've seen Cook only get sixty percent of the work, and Madison is working a lot more. And Madison getting goal line carries. It didn't ha- it didn't happen this week. We Chase Edmonds. We didn't know with Drake out. Is he going to see all the work next week? We could see Chase Edmonds play sixty percent of the snaps. Like we, how are we going to know? We DJ Dallas when he was like the only running back. Yeah, okay. It's much easier to project now that he would see 70% of the snaps, even with Homer banged up. But now they brought in Collins off the practice squad, and Dallas, it was a t- full timeshare. Like, he got like 30% of the snaps. He got there because he got a short touchdown, so he got you know, 12 points. But even on a, just on a week-to-week basis, it's hard. It's hard. We, we didn't even know, hey, uh, even if David Johnson didn't get hurt, we didn't know. David Johnson, it could have been a 60-40, and Duke Johnson is is on the field a lot more. It could have been. I mean, obviously, it ended up that way because he got a concussion and came out of the game. But we didn't know how that was going to plan out. Justin Jackson, it's like, oh, well, well, Pope's on the uh, on uh, on the IR. He's, he has concussion protocol or whatever. But they caught, they, they got Kalen Balaj there. And then you're like, okay, well, Justin Jackson should get 60%. They're, they're souring on Kelly. Like, well, how are you going to know? Obviously, he got injured on the first play, so we would, we would have never known. But it just seems like as long as there's – as long as you, you – as long as they have running backs on the roster, most of these teams from a week-to-week basis, I don't know how you're going to necessarily predict if it's going to be 80% snap share or 60% snap share, a full-time share. So, to me – I look at running back as a much higher we're used to, right? Grant, we've been playing for a while where you view running back in the past when we had like very predictable running back shares that it's the least variant position. Oh, you have a flex spot? Put, put, put a running back there. Like that, that's the best median play. The wide receivers are the ones that are highly volatile. But now we see in the league that, We've we have wide receivers that are getting thirty percent target shares. I mean, it's not like a team that's like, oh, they have three wide receivers and it could go this way or that way. No, we have, we have guys that you know, as long as it's a neutral game script or whatever, that you know, Keenan Allen's going to see thirty plus percent. Julio Jones, you know, in, in this spot is going to see thirty plus percent. We're going to see obviously the Seattle wide receivers. We're going to see uh, Devonte Adams. Like I take a look at Devonte Adams. If you put price Devonte Adams. And Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook, it's like I, I almost feel safer with Devontae Adams because, like, there's, there's – I don't have to worry about rushing efficiency. I don't have to worry about snaps. Like, the, the Devontae Adams is going to be out there for nearly every passing play. I mean, like, I don't have to worry. Why wouldn't he be out there for every passing play? Because the best wide receiver, Keenan Allen, is going to be out there for nearly every passing play for the Chargers. Julio Jones is going to be out there for nearly every passing play for the Falcons. But these running backs, I, how would you ever know from a week to week? Any time that you would analyze it, you're going to get it wrong half the time. I mean, like you could say, oh, I predict this. And then sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, people thought that James Conner was going to, oh, he's going to see it's the Cowboys, bad run defense, right? All that type of crap. And the game script flipped on its head. And that happens in like half the games. And then it completely ruins everything. DJ Dallas could have gotten eighty percent of the work today. He didn't, but he could have. The only that's why I'm that's why I played someone like David Montgomery and David Johnson, and 
I took a shot on Justin Jackson. Obviously, that didn't work out. But like David Montgomery, there's no one there. I mean, obviously, he got hurt, banged up, and then Nall came in and, and took the touchdown there. But like, there's no one behind him. Like, you see, yeah, he's horrible. I know he's horrible. But uh, on a week where if you didn't, if you had Dalvin Cook and, and CMC, so I'm looking at the running back position right now. Just for, I know this is anecdotal because it's just yesterday. But outside of those two players, like any two running backs was fine. I mean, just like if you just look down this, Edmonds had 12, Dallas had 12, Jacobs had 13, Robinson had 15, CH had 12, Gibson had 13, Dobbins had five, Montgomery had six, Henry had seven, Swift had 12. I mean, Jordan Howard had seven, Zach Moss had 12, Gallman had 14. Like it's all touchdown variants, like 13 for Gurley. So it's like, as long as your guy gets in the end zone, like you, you, you 10 points. I mean, like that's, that's what their, their floors are, but these, the wide receivers like Keenan Allen got 28 points. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not concerned when I play Keenan Allen, like even Julio got 16 and that's a low for his salary and the, the spot that he was in. But we see with so many running backs that like Derrick Henry got seven points. I mean, in a game where the Titans were ahead, Right in a positive game script against the, the they were up by more than two or three scores against the Bears, and he's sitting there with seven points because he didn't get in the end zone and and he wasn't efficient. So that's why I, from a long term perspective, as far as what I'm going to do this the rest of this season, next season, just you know, if we played this out a thousand times, yes, obviously you could get spike weeks from Cook and CMC. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, they're more likely to. I, I absolutely guarantee, I, I admit that. But it could have been any of these runs. We had a James Robinson spiked week with, with two weeks ago or whatever. We had a Josh Jacobs, 31 points out of whatever, right? Uh, Joe Mixon earlier in the season with 45 yep. points. Like, are you going to be able to predict those enough? I mean, GPPs, yeah, sure, go. Go do whatever you want. But like, as far as cash games, I take a look and go, how do I pay 8,000 for a guy that I, I, that could easily just score 10 points or 15 points. And can I get 10 or 15 points from any of these other running backs for cheaper? So I don't have to play a $3,000 wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Really great analysis there. And that kind of brings us over to GPPs. Like one of my, like I said, one of my main stands was I was well underweight on Dalvin Cook. I think he was 30% to 40% owned, depending on the GBP. And I took him in about 20% of my lineups just because I had the pivot to CMC and I had the pivot to Derrick Henry at drastically lower ownership. It was, it was just basically playing the variance, knowing that long run Dalvin Cook on average is going to score a few more points than those guys, but he's at such a higher ownership that it just made sense to kind of do direct pivots off these off of him to these other guys. And one thing I really want to talk about and get your uh, views on, like why was Keenan Allen so low owned? Um, I saw I'm assuming at, it's because of the strep throat that the, 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 the day before whatever, and he was listed as questionable, but then it's like, like, Oh, he has a, a sore throat. Like that's not going to, that's not going to affect an NFL player they just had to make sure he didn't have covid and he and he obviously came up negative uh but i mean keenan allen was my second highest exposed wide receiver on the day like to me that that i'm gonna play i mean i obviously i played a ton of 
Julio, ton of Lockett, and a ton of Allen. Uh, and I, I played a ton, ton of Allen expecting that people, the, the ownership would come down. And, and it did. So I played him over Diggs more so. But I also played a ton of Judy. And I played a ton of uh, Thielen and Jefferson. Like essentially, like 75% of my lineups included one Vikings player. Because I just, it goes through those three guys, essentially. And then Irv Smith, you know, grabs, you know, two, you know, BS one-yard touchdowns or whatever. Uh, which, I mean, I still, have, I still have a little bit of him. But I just figure in these Viking games that I'm, I'm banking on one of these guys having the ceiling. Just one of them. So I'll play Cook in 20%. I'll play Thielen and Jefferson in 25%. Obviously, I want to play more of the wide receiver because Cook is chalk, right? Cook is 35 to 40% owned, and Thielen is 7% owned, and Jefferson is 9% owned. So I'd rather, I'd rather have more of the time. I'd rather have more lineups that have a chance of winning first when Dalvin Cook doesn't hit a ceiling than when he does because I, don't just, I just don't gain enough because so many people have them. So, obviously, it leaned on the Cook side this week. Next week, it could be something completely different. So, like, I knew I was burning I, – I knew I was burning 40% of my lineups, pretty much. Like, one of these guys is going to put up 40 points. I just I, – I don't know which one, but I get more value out of the wide receivers doing it than the running back doing it. So, like, I was, I was more on those types of builds, and I was also more on builds – with like Locke, Judy, Jones, like playing the other side, uh, playing the cheap quarterback with Judy and Fant at tight end and then play Julio as the run back. But obviously, obviously Julio didn't like, I mean, he got 16 points, but that's, you can get 16 points from a lot of receivers that you're not paying 7,200 for. Yeah, yeah, you can get kidding. I think Hamler got to 16 points. Um, yeah, it can pretty much happen with anything. I want to talk about QB for a second because I want to, here, if you think that this was really dumb or not. Uh, but my two highest owned quarterbacks were in tournaments, at least were Gilbert and Luton. <laughs> I know, I know it, it was ridiculous, <laughs> but I did at least call that the Cowboys were going to stay close. Gilbert. It's can, it's, can I get, can I, before you explain it, can I continue laughing a little? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, Luton turned out great. So, like, I had him paired with Chark. It was I brought it back with Cooks in most of those lineups. That saved me a whole lot yesterday. But so Garrett Gilbert, he came in at one point one six percent ownership. He has Cooper, he has Gallup, and he has uh, C.D. Lamb in that offense. Like game script, if they would have been down a little bit more he probably would have been chucking the ball a whole lot more. I saw that like the talent was probably there. And the talent around him in the offense was there. I get that was a bad matchup, but it was in a dome. Cooper is an easy guy to pair him with because he's fantastic when he's in a dome. Like, I get that it was a really far out there play. And I kind of hedged, well, I didn't even hedge my bet. I just bet the over on all the props in that game in terms of passing because they were all so low. Like, Gilbert was at 183 yards projected. Uh, passing yards, Gilbert was at. Uh, the over was minus 200 on half a passing touchdown. So he did exceed expectations in almost every single category, and so did all the wide receivers because that's just the way the game script went. I didn't think they were going to be running the ball as much as they did, and Pollard obviously got a little bit in there. But Gilbert, was, I, was that that stupid of a move? 
Yes. All right. Well, I'll explain I'll, just from a from a, a, a thousand foot view perspective, because I tend to play from a thousand foot view perspective, not a micro, you know, looking at, you know, cornerback matchups and all those types of things. We have an 11 game slate. Grant. So we, we had an 11 game slate where half the games had a 50 total. You yep. played stacks of an offense that had a 14 implied team total. Had a 14 implied team total, but it had a 47 implied total for the game. No, no, 43. The Steelers 43. didn't have that that much. It was for it was like uh it's like it was the lowest, it was one of the lowest totals on the slate. But you played the offense on the other side. Like that, like but if you would have told me you you wanted to play the Steelers and go, I want to play Big Ben with Deontay and Ebron or something to fill a tight end spot and run it back with like Amari Cooper. Like to me, at least, okay, uh, okay, they're the, the Cowboys are competitive, and but Ben has to throw the ball a ton. Okay, okay, uh, at least you're you're playing the side of the team that has a 28 implied part of that game. It's just that like I'd, I'd I'm not attacking games where I'm playing the stack of the team that has the lowest of 22 teams on the slate. I mean, obviously, I'm playing large field stuff. I know you're going to get them at low ownership. Just that, I just think I just don't think ceiling projection. At some point, I know I'm the king of vomit snacks. I know I play vomit snacks. I played Julak, sure. Luton, I could okay. Luton, I could get. I'm not laughing at Luton. I think that that was fine. I decided not to go there. I played more Julak. Okay, I get it. It's just that you always have to compare projection with with leverage. I mean, with 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 everything. Right, so it's like, oh yeah, you're right. They're point one percent owned, and Amari Cooper is what I don't even know what he was. He right? was point point. Yeah, they were all four. under one, and, and I don't even think at those because you still have to get the whole stack right, and then the rest of your lineup right in the process. That how often will that happen compared to other teams? Like, oh, I wasn't full get, stacking him. I wasn't full stacking him by any means. I was. I, I mostly just did Gilbert with either C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper. Overall, I'm using what? And, then, and, and running it back with – I mean – with Running who? it back with Connor. That, that was my plan. Like running it back with Connor. Connor potentially, if they were far ahead, Connor could have a two-touchdown game with 100 yards. They're going to be running the ball more against the poorest Dallas defense. He can absolutely – Connor can absolutely get there in this situation. And then running it back with Gilbert and with Amari Cooper where I'm using less than – 10.5 K total salary, getting him in at very low ownership. Gilbert can absolutely throw to Cooper eight, 10 times during the course of that game. Cooper has price tag of 5.6 K can end up with a hundred yards, a touchdown and eight receptions. Like that absolutely gets me there. Even if Gilbert only puts up 20 points, which he was pretty close to doing, all he needed to do was complete that last pass and he's over 20. Then I can kind of get there and it gives me room to pay up for a lot of these other guys, Dalvin cook, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen. So there was ways that it ended up getting there if it weren't for Josh Allen putting up 39 points and Kyler Murray putting up 41 points. With their price tags being at 7.1K and 7.6K, and then guys like Mahomes that got there at 8.1K, divvying those things out to other spots like Dalvin Cook with 42 points was kind of my rationale behind it. Like, I thought Gilbert had 25-point potential in this one. Yeah, but you're you're sacrificing raw points on a slate that – like for for instance, and and I say this uh, when when I do my streams or when I b- make my builds, and obviously I'm going to be on the preview 
you know, on the ASA show, I'm uh, with Stevie out. Obviously, we're going to see a, a lot of each other, Grant, for the next two weeks. That yep. if if you were to give me that case where Josh Allen and Russell Wilson were like the only of those two guys, like the only quarterbacks, like let's say we the Cardinals were not on the slate, the Ravens were not on the slate, uh, like all um, the Chiefs were not on the slate, and you're like, well. It's Allen and Russell Wilson going up against each other. They're the highest projected quarterbacks. And if that game fails, I could, t- I could take 20 at the quarterback position and win. But we're, we had a slate where it's, you needed all of them to fit. I mean, you need all of them. Not ju- it's not like, oh, well, Gibber puts up 25 and you win a GPP. It's like, well, you have to fade a ceiling game out of like five or six different quarterbacks and you need all of them to fail. So like I'm... I would be much more into your 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 super vomit stack that you did if it was if if I was playing those guys I was I was playing Murray and Mahomes and and Lamar because so much went to Allen and Wilson being in the same game like if that game fails well I'm gonna get the similar quarterback at that price and win with that rather than like Locke was my cheapest quarterback I mean I played a couple of cousins I mean I played a couple of things here or there. But, like, it's very hard for me to, to, to build lineups with super vomit stacks with the lowest total when, when like, I, I need to fade so much. Because it's not just so, quarterback. Because if the quarterback does well, obviously he's paired with someone. Tyreek Hill, he's paired with Kirk. He's paired with uh, Marquise Brown or something. Like, so now you're sitting there that if one of those quarterbacks goes off, well, it'd be Allen or Wilson or anything. Like you're dead. You can't. Like it doesn't matter if you got 25 points out of Gilbert and 25 points out of Cooper because you just don't have enough raw points in your lineup. Even if even if you're playing Cook and McCaffrey. So like so I'm not I'm not being down on your like your thinking behind it. I just don't think that you thought about that you needed to fade so much more than you would. With, with these to- we, we've talked about it in running back, Grant. These totals are getting so high. We're used to slates. We're old schoolers. I mean, not as old school as Chop or Stevie that, you know, there would be two games that had a 50 total, right? We'd have a 12-game slate and two. The highest total game would be 52. The second highest total would be 50. And then we have a ton of in the 45 range. And then you look at the 39 total and go, oh, maybe, maybe this will work. Right, but now we're having half the half the games have fifty five totals on it, so like you need to fade all those offenses all at once. It just it seems like like the ownership is spread out enough that when there are half the slate has a fifty plus total, that you could just find so like that's why like Luton like I don't like to me that I don't mind because that that total, uh, Watson was somewhat popular, but Cooks and Fuller didn't come in at you know ridiculous ownership cooks was like 11 percent across the board or something something like that and fuller was low owned and shark was three percent so like but those are real offenses that you know on a on a on a game total that it's opened at 51 it came down to 49 so like i just think that instead of playing the gilbert lineups you should have just doubled down on luton and like i wouldn't have been laughing at you yeah i mean the smart move would have been go heavy on loot and play the afternoon slate and use Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, that's a good, yeah. Cause on the afternoon slate, like he probably was as, as much on as he was on the main slate. 
yeah, yeah, no, he was almost nothing, which, yeah, I don't know. That was, it was off the board. I probably took a bigger stand than I was going to, but I was also kind of under the impression where I get Vegas is fairly on. But I knew that those line, that line was a little bit off. I mean, my one of my favorite bets of the week was Dallas plus 14. It was in Dallas. It was more coming at it from a sports betting standpoint. I should have just only hammered all the props in the spread instead of throwing it into DFS too. But right, right. I think I think that was I think I when when you said that on the preview show, like I did I didn't think that that was a dumb take. I thought that maybe Cowboys shouldn't be that big of an underdog, but we we're playing DFS. The DFS has nothing to do with like the outcomes of games. Like like you still need to beat fifty thousand other people in a lineup that you know needs to have enough raw points. That if the Cowboys win, like, do you see the Cowboys putting up 38 points here? Like, like I don't. Maybe they win the game, but or they at least cover the spread. Or Gilbert has more than his props, but just doesn't put up enough points. You have Lamb and Cooper and Gallup out there. So none of them, they could win and none of them hit a ceiling. So like, like I like I'm not I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking the, the take. Like I appreciate Grant, I appreciate your takes. I just, I just think that from a DFS perspective, like the takes don't matter. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, you're right. I mean, we've all been in spots where we've overestimated or over overdone things. Like we all make wrong process decisions just because we get too focused in on one single thing and kind of ignore the bigger picture. It's happened to everyone who plays DFS at some point or another clearly happened to me. I just got, it also like brought me back to, like different situations in the past where we've had minimum priced quarterbacks and very low priced quarterbacks who we just kind of use in order to get those running backs that are five, 9.5 K like back in the past. So yeah, clearly a broken process on my part. I'm just taking the L also it doesn't help those playing over on super draft that kind of threw me off because Gilbert was two X and that like all 20 points out of him and boom, I'm he's outscoring Josh Allen, but it's a problem with playing a whole bunch of different sites. You kind of get thrown off on strategy from one side based on strategy from the other. But is there anything else that, again, this is my first time on this show. You do this every week that we need to go over. Well, I mean, there wasn't as much of an ownership discrepancy between contests as, as there has been in the past couple of weeks. Obviously like Justin Jackson was much higher owned in the higher stakes. I mean, just uh, the running back, you know, it was all Cook. I mean, like, Cook was across the board about the same. Lockett was higher owned in the higher stakes. Uh, the, the only thing that I noticed that was different, I mean, not to get back on the Cowboys-Steelers game, is that the Steelers at lower stakes were, like, twice as, twice as owned. Because I'm taking a look at, like, the Wildcat. And the Wildcat, Deontay Johnson, was, like, 6%. And he was 9% of the play action. Yeah, well, it was like, more the passing game because people, like, across the board, James Conner was about 20% in virtually every single contest. Maybe slightly higher over in the luxury box, looks like. But he was 20% on across the board. But people, like... Claypool, Clay, if you look at Clay, Claypool, was like 4% of the Wildcat and nearly 15% in the play action. Yeah, well, people kind of that, – that's recency bias, which a lot of smart players are able to kind of get rid of. Everyone still remembers that three-touchdown week. Everyone assumes, okay, there's a decent chance that Deontay Johnson could get injured. And then what was Juju? And Juju's oh, I don't even know. He must have been really down. Right. 3% in the spy, 7% in the play action. So they got like nearly yeah. double. 
you know, so again, people just rem- kind of remember the past and smarter players probably realize that, okay, the Dallas offense isn't going at nearly the same pace that it was at the beginning of the season. This is a pretty spread out offense and there's a lot of different mouths to feed here. Could potentially be a giant blowout. Also, I think a lot of sharper players were on the Cowboys plus 14 as a home dog. So, yeah, that kind of explains that. that over Also, the-, the defense, if you take a look here, the Steelers' defense was, what, 4,900? Yep. They were, they were the highest-owned defense in, in the play action. In yep, play. and in the luxury box, they were at 4%. Right. Because why are you paying 4,900 for a defense? Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely did that a little bit. But luckily, I was more on the Titans' defense, which turned out to be great because the Bears are a dumpster fire. Um, yeah, just looking. I'm trying to find some big discrepancies in ownership. DJ was 30% owned in the luxury box, 16% owned elsewhere. Obviously, didn't turn out well. Where he talked about Jackson being 40% owned in the luxury box, 20% owned there. Julio, we all knew that that was coming. Like a lot of the chalkier pieces were much heavier owned in the luxury box. And then I'm trying to find a massive. Di- yeah, it's pretty much the Steelers players were the big difference. Right. I mean, it was. It's not very similar to the past two weeks where we found like huge like correlation issues. I mean, because even like I, even I I look at like Cook, like Marvin Jones was still owned, so it's like okay, I get that. And then I look at Julio, and like Jerry Judy was still owned, and Fant was still owned, uh, and Diggs, and obviously, obviously the the Seattle Buffalo game on both sides was owned. So looking at all of these with for the ownership, like I don't see like where one stack was like really owned, and then like no one did bring backs. Like, none of those types of issues with line of construction that I saw, but outside of the, the Steelers. And I'm not saying that the, playing the Steelers was, was bad or anything. It's just that, like, it's so spread out that you'd, you'd have to bet on someone, and no one hit a ceiling. So, Juju had 21 points, but it's not like you needed it. I mean, I think if it, it – looking at the wide receiver scoring, I mean, if you had Judy, if you had Metcalf, if you had McLaurin, I mean – the, the names that I'm saying, like like Kelsey at tight end, uh, Will Fuller at 24 points, Tyreek Hill at 36 points, Christian Kirk, th- 26 points. Like, I'm not, I'm not naming receivers that are, like, you're shocked. Chark at 30. So that's why I said, like, I can name the receivers that are most likely going to put up 20, 25, 30 points, more so than be able to predict – what running out of the 15 running back choices, who's going to have a 20 point game or a five point game? Like I, and it doesn't even matter. And it's not like the the spread or the total or anything like that. It's who's going to break a big run this week. It was cook, not Henry. It could have easily been the other way around. Who's going to get touches or not. Edmonds got all the touches, but he still only got 12 points. But it, had I known that his median would have been way higher. Is who's going to get injured, right? We got uh, Justin also, Jackson. Yeah, Edmonds also, like, there's a few big discrepancies that I just now noticed. Edmonds doubled the ownership in the luxury box that he was in the play action. Like, I think I kind of saw him getting all this volume because we've seen this kind of situation before. And then the interesting one is the Broncos passing game. Like, 15% play action, 21% luxury box. Judy, let me see, let me find him really quick. 
13% in play action, 18% in the luxury box. And Locke, I think, was double the ownership in the luxury box. People kind of figured out that, like, garbage time can for one hit. For two, it's the Atlanta defense. For three, everyone just watches Locke and thinks, oh, he's the worst quarterback. But we've seen this with multiple guys before who look bad and then garbage time comes around. I mean, Deshaun Watson has done it many times in the past. Jameis Winston is – I mean, come on. How many times has has Jameis Winston be the highest projected uh, quarterback on a slate, even with three interceptions baked in? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like – Literally, Locke's last two outings reminds me exactly of Blake Bortles back when he was with the Jags. Would be horrible all game long, and then all of a sudden, last quarter and a half will come around, he starts scrambling around, runs for a decent amount, and just puts up all this garbage time yardage and goes from being one of the worst plays on the slate to being one of the best plays on the slate. Yeah, and if you're going to pay down a quarterback, I don't see why. I, I think I think you, you played Luton, I played Locke, but it's the same – it's the same theory that the thesis of the play was that they're going to be down and they're going to be chucking the ball. And if that turns out to be enough points in comparison to those high ceiling quarterbacks and those high ceiling stacks, maybe it does get there. But I was more on lock, not because of that, just because I was playing a lot of Julio Jones. So like, like that, that Bronco stack made sense. If I'm playing Jones and I'm playing Fant, why don't I just throw Judy and lock in there? And then I could also throw uh, Ryan and Hurst, right, and do that type of the other way in that game also. It just it fit around uh, chalk pieces that I was going to use. I'd rather, I'd rather use chalk pieces in a stack than by themselves, so I tend to build more of the stacks around it. So it's not like, you know, I know Locke's a bad quarterback, and, but he's cheap and he projected well. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I just did things a little bit different. My main thing was – Fading Kyler, hoping with it, because I was so locked into Edmonds. Um, so I faded Kyler, and I used I used a lot of Tua. I used a decent amount of Locke, um, and I used Luton, obviously, because I, I like the bringbacks over on the other side. Like, like you just said, bringing it back with Cooks and Fuller was great with Luton. Tua, bringing it back with Edmonds, I thought was a great idea. And if Preston Williams wouldn't have got injured, it might have worked out a whole lot better. Um, but yeah, it's just, it happens sometimes in these weeks, things go wrong, but yeah, we're good news is, is we've got what, six more days until the next one. Well, I mean, we got, we got Patriots jets showdown tonight. There, there's, uh, there's no, a way chance. To... no chance. I don't care. <laughs> there might be an advantage to be had in that game, but I, I, I mean, I've got, I've got, I got a, probably going to have a decent amount of money just on props and stuff like that. I got I think I got a lot of money on Cam Newton to get a rushing TD, and I think the over on his passing TDs. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Who do you, do you sports bet at all? I can't remember. No, no? I, I bet on I bet on elections though. I, I made a lot of money last week. Yeah, kid. Yeah, that that was probably my favorite part of this month was just watching the markets just go absolutely crazy. Like the betting uh, it, markets, it was it right. Was, but you did? Did you take advantage of it? Uh, I don't. I don't do offshore bookies. Um, oh yeah, because it's not right. Uh, you can't bet on elections, but you could do side action. You could DM people that you know and say, "How about five hundred bucks on this and a thousand bucks on that?" Yeah, with uh, my my main no thing vig. Is, it's no vig. Yeah, the main thing is like I do like if if I would have 
played on offshore sites. Like there were so many arbitrage situations. That's why I look for a lot. Like I do a, a whole lot of live betting in games just because I figure out the, I figure out the algorithms for uh, which sites will kind of overestimate the, uh, the favorite and the underdog based on the giant point swings. So I kind of go through that, figure out that knowing that lines are going to move in this direction and this direction based on what's going to happen. And that's kind of what I go with. So if I was on the election, I would realize where action's coming in. And there was multiple times where you could have just bet both sides and locked in an automatic profit. But I, I don't, I don't, I kind of do things very on the fly and trying to negotiate rates with people through DMS, big free, I feel like would have been tough and there's not a ton of people that I fully trust in this industry. Plus I didn't, I didn't want to be entirely destroyed. Like, cause I probably would have been on one side. I would have been on one side and that person would have lost. I would have lost money and they would have lost okay, or they would have well, won. Well, I, I ended up winning. I would have been on Biden and I would have like, I hate when I bet on a team that I really want to win. And then I lose money and I, the team loses. Just oh uh, yeah, well, I took my emotions out of it. I, I, I just that I follow politics. I follow politics more than I follow sports. So when I see sports people, you know, not understanding how elections run, like I just find it as a well, this is just like DFS, right? You're 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 playing a game and the other side doesn't have doesn't realize the the sharp side of things and how things work, and you have the information advantage. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's. I, I don't get emotional at all during sports betting. So, like, I, I can look at everything entirely subjectively, knowing that other people aren't. That's why, that's why, gosh, I love that it's all in Colorado right now. It's a great time to be alive here. Right. You got everything there. You got the sports betting. You got the legalized weed. You're, you're, I'm, I'm here in Kentucky. I, those two things may not happen for a long time. Yeah. Well, luckily, you can what? Dread. I don't know about the legalized weed, but I'm pretty sure you can drive across some border and get get some sports bets in pretty yeah, easily. Yeah, Indiana, I could drive right over the bridge right over here. But it, what I'm gonna I'm gonna take a 15 minute drive so I could you know, like how do you live bet? I would have to like I would have to move across there. Yeah, I mean, smartest thing you do is just go take advantage of the promos every day at around noon. Just go take a nice drive, like find a co- you probably don't drink coffee, or do I don't know. Not really. Know. Not I'm not. Well, I'm not going to drink and drive and then go get promos. I mean, go get go get a cup of coffee. I mean, do the cheese thing. He used to drive an hour across the border uh, to play DFS at a nice little coffee shop back in the day when I think Alabama was still restricting it based on all the regulations coming out. But we've we've gotten sidetracked as we as we do far too often. But any, anything else you want to mention, or are you about ready to get out of here? No, I, th- I, th- I think we're good. So uh, we've got uh, Slate coming up next next Saturday, next Sunday as, as normal. Uh, but uh, Stevie is on vacation. So uh, you know, we'll be back on what, Wednesday to, to yep. preview it here on the Morning Grind. Yep, yep. So guys, come on. Come on and join us over there. And I will not uh, – I, I hope Gilbert – Gilbert's not on the Slate this week. That's good. All right, so you won't see me touting Gilbert again. Sorry about that if I lost anyone money. but. I lost more money, just so you know. But it's been fun, Blender. It's a good time. We'll see you all on Wednesday. We're out of here. See you, kids.